Amen. Isn't it awesome to be in the house of God this morning? Isn't it awesome to be here? I am so excited. I am so excited to welcome our speaker this morning. He is a friend of mine, but more, than, more importantly, he's a man who loves God. He's a man who's committed to the purpose of the church, of the kingdom of God. He's innovative, he's creative, he's progressive, and he is one incredible speaker. And I would ask that you give Israel Martinez a big Impact City welcome as he comes and takes this pulpit. Let's give it to God. Good morning, Impact City. Good morning, Impact City Church. Amen. I was wondering who Brother John was talking about when he was saying those. I was like, who is he describing? Because he sure ain't me. But uh, we're glad to be here this morning. We thank you, Pastor John, for this opportunity. Um, he, he is a, he's been a great friend ever since I've known him. He's always been in a, uh, some Lord, sort of leadership uh, capacity, and he's always excelled at it. So when he, you know, when he called and he told me the great news, I was like, I, I don't know if I told him, but I was thinking it's about time, you know, because it was either going to happen sooner or later. God was going to put, um, give him a place that pastoral calling has always been on his life. And who would have thought Odessa, Texas? I mean, I, I know this isn't the best way to, for me to introduce myself, but seven years ago, I had no idea Odessa even existed. I know I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But who would have thought of all the places we've, we've seen each other, we've worked with each other, uh, that it would be Odessa, Texas, that uh, you would be pastoring and, and that I actually would be living here. Uh, we moved out here five years ago. Um, it wasn't the oil. God showed me something more valuable than the oil and more beautiful than a, a, a West Texas sunrise and a sunset. And it was uh, that lady right there by the name of Lucia who uh, captured my heart and I guess prayed unto God that I would leave the big city bright lights. If you can make it there, you can make it everywhere. I'm talking about San Antonio, Texas, home of the five-time NBA champions. And so now we're here in the middle of nowhere but we are just so uh, grateful for, uh, for that God has continued to cover us and protect us and just, you know, connected us with the right people at the right time. And so we're grateful to be here this morning. So I won't waste any more of your time. If you go with me uh, to the book of Genesis chapter 18, that is, uh, we'll cover our subject here this morning. Genesis chapter 18. It's quite a bit of verses, so uh, if you need a stretch real quick, go ahead and do that. <clears throat> We're thank you. We thank you for joining us and for those that are watching online. Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 through 33. So I know it sounds like a lot, but we can do this. So here it goes. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Verse 18, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. 
for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Verse 20, and the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. 22, then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood, still stood before the Lord. 23, and Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Abraham said in 25, far be it from you to do such, such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? 26, so the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sake. And then Abraham answered and said, indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes and have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the 50 righteous. Would you destroy all the city for the lack of five? And so he said, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. 29, and he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there should be 40 found there. And so he said, I, wouldn't, I, would, I, would, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry. As if Abraham knows, I'm testing the waters a little too much here. Let not the Lord be, be angry. And I will speak, suppose 30 should be found there. And he said, I would not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, indeed now, <clears throat> I take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. And so he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. But once more, suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So the Lord went his way. And as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Let us pray this morning. God, we thank you, Lord, this, for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for this word you have given us. Lord, to share to your people, I pray that you would just continue to rest upon this place. Lord, open our hearts, God, and our minds to be receptive for your word. We ask you that you use us in a mighty name, in a mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. And my, my subject with you all is he'll do it for the one. Amen. He'll do it for the one. He'll do it for the one. The story of Abraham, uh, he, he's having this dialogue. Like we, we snuck in the conversation that Abraham is having with God. And it's really interesting to me for many reasons. But one of the main reasons is that Abraham had this really intimate relationship with God. That even though he is speaking in fear, right, he's like negotiating with the creator of the universe. I mean, think, think for a moment. Abraham, a man, a mere man 
is negotiating with the creator of the universe because God wasn't ready to release judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, God was ready, but Abraham wasn't ready to see them. And Abraham had asked God, would, would you destroy that town if there was 50 righteous people living there? And thus begins the revealing of the Father's hearts. Because love removes labels. We begin to see the heart of the Father and that he doesn't really want to destroy this town or any town for that matter. And Abraham is in such in tune with God that he, he knows what God is wanting even though God is saying something else. Stay with me. Like your significant other or your spouse or your son or your daughter, they can say something, but you know that they really mean something else. Babe, you hungry? No. You gotta look. You gotta, you gotta pay attention to the tone. How did they say it? Uh, thank you. How did they say it? Uh, you know, all the, the infliction. Was it in a question mark or was it an exclamation? You know, babe. Are, are, can I go with my friends? Sure. They're saying something, but because you have that close relationship, you know they're telling you something else. So they can say something, but they really mean something else. And we cannot forget that Abraham was the first person referred to as, as a friend of God or God's friend. In fact, throughout all the scriptures, Abraham stands alone with being known as a friend of God. No one else in scripture is referred to as a friend of God. What an honor. What a privilege. Put that on a resume and the job is yours, I'm sure. But it also speaks of the type of relationship, get this, between a man, a humanity, and God. That God's love for humanity is, is evident even in a moment of disobedience and wickedness and turmoil and rebellion. And I'm not describing 2021. I'm just saying what's, what, what's, uh, what's, uh, what we see in Genesis. That the father isn't desiring destruction. Oh no, the father isn't desiring destruction. The father is desiring life and closeness and, and relationship. And, and God found that in Abraham and in turn makes him a father of many nations. So what, would, what was God saying with that? Think with me this morning. What was God saying when he tells Abraham at the time, he's Abram, he's not even Abraham at the time, he's Abram, your name will be Abraham because you will be a father of many nations. God had found a friend in Abraham. God had found closeness and relationship with Abraham, the father, Elohim, God was wanting that kind of relationship with humanity from everyone else. But in this particular case, it's not everyone else. It's just one that has that kind of relationship with the father. And so I began to think about the power of one and what that carries. That, that all God is needing is just one person to tag team with him to change the course of history that God all, that all God is needing is just one person to tag team with him to change the course of history that throughout the scriptures we find that he just needed one he needed just one ark 
He needed just one tabernacle. He needed just one slingshot. And he needed just one smooth stone to defeat the giant. You get the point. He needed just one Abraham, one Moses, one David, one Esther, one Elijah, one Elijah, one Gideon, one Samuel, one Nehemiah, one Jeremiah, one David. You get the point. See, God has from the beginning of time been looking for just one. One who is willing to walk so close that you know the heart of the Father. And the power of one is even echoed into the New Testament, isn't it? It's in one of our founding scriptures of an apostolic faith. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism, all under one name, Jesus. And you have to know that in Jesus, you have all you need. In Jesus, you have all you need. That in Jesus, you have all you need. That Jesus is the one that every book in the Bible speaks about from Genesis to Revelations. That in Genesis, take a ride with me. In Genesis, he's the breath of life. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's Israel's guide. In Joshua, he's salvation's choice. In Judges, he's Israel's guard. In Ruth, he's the king's men's redeemer. In the book of Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is sovereign. In Ezra, he's the true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of broken walls and broken lives. In Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. In Job, he's the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he's our morning song. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastics, he's the time and the season. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover's dream. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he's the cry for Israel. In Ezekiel, he's the call from sin. In Daniel, he's the stranger in the fire. In Hosea, he's the forever faithful. In Joel, he's the spirit's power. In Amos, he's the strong arms that carry. In Obadiah, he's the Lord, our Savior. In Jonah, he's the great missionary. In Micah, he's the promise of peace and Nahum he is our strength and shield in Habakkuk and in Zephaniah his arrival brings revival in Haggai he restores that which was lost in Zechariah he's our fountain and in Malachi he's the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings and that's just the Old Testament because in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is God and Messiah. In the book of Acts, he's the raining fire from heaven. In Romans, he is the grace of God. In Corinthians, he is the power of love. In Galatians, he is freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, he is our glorious treasure. In Colossians, he's God three in one. In Thessalonians, he's our calling king. In Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he's our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, he's our hope as an anchor for our souls. In James, he's the one who heals the sick. In Peter, he's our faithful shepherd. In John and in Jude, he's the lover coming for his bride. And in Revelation, 
in the very end, when it's all over, said and done, when time is no more, he is and will always be the King of kings and Lord of lords, Prince of peace, Son of man, Lamb of God, the great I am, Alpha and Omega, God and Savior, Abraham's friend. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the one thing you and I need. And because he only needs one, he'll do it for the one. He'll do it for the one. Why Abraham stopped at ten righteous people, we will never know. But the truth is, is that God heard the prayer of one man. He came to the rescue of one man. He answered the prayer of one whose heart was in tune with the Father. And I can't help but be thankful that he would do it for the one. See, in the Gospels, <clears throat> Luke chapter 15, we have some parables that Jesus speaks about that talked about the one. In Luke 15, we have three parables. All three speak of the one. The one lost sheep. The one lost coin, the one prodigal son. And the parable of the lost sheep shows us that we are valuable. That your life is worth the shepherd putting his life at risk for. That what matters is that we were found, not necessarily where we were found. I'll say that again. That what matters is that we were found and not necessarily where we were found. I, mean, I think sometimes the church is so worried about where did God bring them from instead of rejoicing of, of the simple fact that God brought them. It doesn't matter where they came from. That shouldn't be of importance. The fact that they're here and that they're found, that's what's important. That what matters is what, that we were found and not necessarily where we were found. And that the house is still empty. Without the one. And the parable of the lost coin shows us that my worth is not defined by quantity, but by my father. That even in a crowd, he still sees me. That the house is still empty without the one. And the parable of the prodigal son shows us that sonship is an identity, not a characteristic based on circumstances, that though I may be lost, I am not forgotten. Though I may feel lost, I am not forgotten. And that the house is still empty without the one. See, I'm so thankful that he will do it for the one. Here's why. You ready? Because sometimes you and I are the one. Sometimes we are the Abrahams and the Moses and the Joshuas ready to battle. And Esthers and, and Daniel ready to change a whole nation and a generation. But sometimes you and I, we are the lost sheep. Sometimes we are the one lost coin. Sometimes you and I are the one prodigal son. But whichever side you are on, the one thing that is constant on both sides is the love of the Father. 
The fact that Abraham had the audacity to ask God for mercy in a moment where we would probably all agree it was merited encourages me today. And it gives me this hope within that even though some of the things that, that, uh, that may be merited in my life because of my humanity, we can ask God for mercy and plead with him to change the course of my life. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like the one that needs rescuing, like I am the lost sheep. And at other times I feel like my worth is lost in the crowd, like, like the lost coin. And yes, sometimes I even do feel like a prodigal. Not that he left, in the sense, but in the sense that he mismanaged his inheritance. Because more than losing my life, I fear of the fear I have is of mismanaging the gifts and talents God has given me. Why? Because one day I will have to give account of those to him. And what about you? The gifts and the talents that God has placed in your hand, that you and I will have to give account to him. What would be our excuse? What would be our excuse? He only needs one. And because he only needs one, he will do it for the one. See, I wonder if some of us here are in need of a miracle or an answer to a prayer that we carry close as I'm coming to a close. I wonder if some of us here feel lost. Even though you've been a Christian your whole life, and it sounds like an oxymoron, how can you feel lost if I've been a Christian my whole life? It's possible. I know somebody. You're looking at him. I wonder if some of us are desiring for something more, though. Something different in our daily routine. But we just don't know what to do. And I wonder if God would hear us like he heard Abraham that day. I wonder if, if I can be the one, or better yet, I wonder if you can be the one that God uses to usher us in into a season of revival that we have never seen before. Because you need to know that he sees you. And I love this story of Nathaniel. Right before Jesus is gathering his disciples, and he sees Nathaniel and he tells him, I see you, Nathaniel. I saw you. Nathaniel had no idea that Jesus had seen him earlier in the day. Nathaniel had been sitting under a fig tree hiding, not necessarily hiding, but just, you know, under the shade of the, fig, of the fig tree. And Jesus had seen him there. And Jesus makes it known to him, points it out to him, I saw you. I saw you. Nathaniel had no idea that Jesus had seen him. I think sometimes we feel like that, like Nathaniel. Like we're, we're in our own little world. We're sitting under the shade of of this world, or being comfortable, or maybe under the shade of, of shame and guilt and, and regret, and wishing we could ha- do some things all over again, or have the opportunity to begin again. I want you to know that Jesus tells you this morning that he sees you, and if he sees you, it's because he's got you, and if he's got you, it's because he'll do it for the one, and he's just looking for one. That's all he is. That's all he's looking for, just one person. One that is willing to walk close to him and to know the heart of the Father. You need to know that he sees you. He's looking for the one. He's looking for just one. He has been looking for you.
I'm going to ask the praise team to come. I know sometimes we feel like, like God is too busy fixing someone else's household or someone else's ministry or someone else's relationship or someone else's uh, marriage. And we are asking God, well, what about me? What about me, Lord? I want you to know that he sees you. You know, this week has been a very, uh, personally, very difficult week. Uh, we got uh, food poisoning last weekend, and it's just been a slow, I mean, slow recovery. And I told God, Lord, you know I have an, an assignment on a Sunday. And if you don't want me to cancel, you're going to have to do something. Because for the first three days, it was brutal. Nothing changed. Shivers all day, just horrible, fever all day, couldn't do nothing. And I said, God, you need to tell me now, you need to show me now, do I pick up the phone, make the phone call, or do I just continue to trust you day by day? And my prayer had to change, honest to God, my prayer had to change. Because even though it was just a little bit of improvement, I said, thank you, Lord, for, thank you, Lord, for, Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Even though it's still not completely there, my focus, my attitude had to change. I wanted an instant relief. I didn't want to deal with this anymore. I want to be able to enjoy my food. I haven't been able to. But my, my, my attitude had to change from expecting God to do something overnight. And just as soon as I go to sleep, Lord, in the moment I wake up, I'm good. I'm back to normal. Let's go. No. It was a steady climb, but I had to keep telling God, thank you, Lord, for your healing. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Even though it's, it's coming, it's on its way, I feel it. I feel better every day, but I have to keep telling you, God. I have to keep telling him, thank you, Lord, for your healing. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Maybe what if we took on that attitude? What if your marriage is still broken? Thank you, Lord, for my healing. What if your home is still broken? Thank you, Lord, for this healing in my house. What if your son is still lost? Thank you, Lord, for reaching my son. What if you still got the emotional scars and maybe physical scars? Thank you, Lord, for the healing and the restoration that's happening. What if you're beginning to doubt your faith? you Lord because I know you are true I can't see you I can't touch you but there's something about when I surrender myself I can feel you so I thank you because you continue to show yourself true in my life what if you're about to lose your job God thank you for this job What would happen if we would walk so close, if we would dare to walk so close to God? That we would know the heart of the Father. When we know the heart of the Father, we understand this, that what the Father has access to, 
we have access to. Not because of us, because of Daddy. That what He has, we have. Think for a moment, when the prodigal son gets all his possessions, he doesn't have enough. He runs out. But when he realizes his position in his father's house, all that his father has is his. He has more than enough in the father's house. But when he was about getting the possessions, the moment came where he ran out and it wasn't enough. I hope we can understand that in the Father's house, we have all we need. You have all you need. It may not look like you want it to look. It may not come at the moment you want it to come. But I promise you one thing, that what you need, the Father has. Because I think all at one time, at one time or another, all of us, all of us have tried to go the other way and collected our possessions and this, I'm going to do things my way. And it was okay, but we ran out. But in the Father's house, you will never run out. And I'm telling you this morning, he's looking for the one. And I, as I look out to you all, I see bunch of ones <laughs> that God has been looking for you all you are the one that God has been looking for you are the one God has been looking for you are the one God has been looking for and because he only needs one he'll do it for the one 